Hello and welcome to the SC Hardback Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Namoski. With me again for another podcast, it is Chris from England. Chris, how are you, mate? Doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on again. No worries, mate. Had to have you back on. Talking about one of our teams, you mentioned in the green room, you've owned about 20,000 of these blokes all season. I know I have as well. We're fins and up, baby. The fin is strong. Everyone fins up. I've got about 15 fins going at the moment. <laughs> well, look, mate, let's jump straight into it. First opening thought, obviously, there was their, de- their debut year in the comp. We all like, we were all a bit hesitant in draft day. When do we draft a fin? Are they going to win a game this season? Give me your opening thoughts for a 2023 Finn Supercoach season review. I think it was overly quite positive. Again, I think, as you said, we're all very, very tentative. I think I was one of the only guys that went somewhat early on on anyone um, signing my boy, Tommy Gilbert. Yep. But I think everyone was a little bit tentative. Are are the points going to come? Where are they going to come from? And, you know, can can Sean O'Sullivan actually lead this team around? We knew that the the forwards are there and they've done a job before, but yeah, those those Melbourne guys have never been, you know, solid gold on a super coach front. So I think we're all quite tentative. And then the way they started the season, I think we 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 were all quite glad to pick some of them up late in the season, uh, late in the draft, just to to pad our team out because they became quite crucial pieces pretty quickly. You mentioned it. You were the first person to pick a dolphin. It was Tom Gilbert in round 11, pick 132, was the first Dolphin off the board. So that just shows you for where they finished as a super coach team, that was tremendous value for basically everyone. And obviously, Ed, who you're obviously close with over there in England, Jermaine Osako picked 203 in the draft last round. Love it. You start there, right? It has to be, that's the MVP, leading try scorer, leading point scorer in the competition, Jermaine Osako. I think we we all forgot how uh, how magical old Uncle Wayne is. You know, I think the the last time we saw a psycho player like this was his, his early early debut seasons under Wayne at the Broncos, where he looked like he was about to take the world on storm. And then we ended twenty twenty two with him, you know, Queensland Cup. I don't think anyone, you know, not not in our league, basically anyone would have seen the the meteoric rise that that he had this season i guess the potential was always there but wow um adding the goal kicking as well and really really good goal kicking as well um and he just became gold he was a couple of fall over the line tries but a lot of really really good work from 30 40 meters out to to do stuff and he scored in bunches There, there was quite a few doubles hat tricks in there um he became a genuine captain option brilliant He's the, I said it to Norm in one of the last podcasts, he's the classic example of when you look at some of these players who have pedigree as scorers who just need to change the scenery. When you kind of think about the Dolphins, he was the first signing. He was the first marquee signing. And everyone laughed going, Jermaine Asako, that's your marquee signing. He's not Munster, not Ponga. But obviously Wayne looked at him and said, there's a goal kicker and there's a finisher right there. And it was very interesting. Every time that Hammer didn't play this year, he did not move him to fullback. He just said, you are sitting mm. on that wing and you are fucking getting tries all season long. And I think, you know, he's probably going to lose that duel next year, which obviously that helps a lot, of people, a lot of people in classic owning him. But yeah, Jermaine Asako, for where he was to where he is now, even if he doesn't score, you know, I think he finished on 24 tries. Let's say that drops to 16 tries. Let's give him a, a eight-try regression. You're still looking at a player. He averaged 67 this year. 
he can still average low to mid 60s you know what i mean he is still even with a decrease if you know herbie farmworth goes on the other side and steals some ball over there and um tom flaker goes through the middle and you know there's more points down the middle for jmk he's still going to be a great option this year yeah, and I think what you, you sort of touched upon it then, and I think we'll we'll probably look at it a lot more when we start to look at twenty four. But I, I think you know knee and knee injury pending, it's going to be Jake Avrillo over there at center. Fantastic at setting up his man. Uh, I think when Jermaine looked at his best this year and when he was scoring his best was when my main man Brenko Lee was inside him. Brenko best can't score to save his life. The best he, catch and pass in the game. He is. He he has an uncanny ability to use no speed whatsoever to set up his outside man because he has no speed um losing Renko's but when you saw some other players jump in there um big Val Tavare main example the the ball dried up a lot for Osako and there was a few points in of the season there where his points dried up a little bit as well still popping out of 50 60 so I think we're holding him to quite a high standard but with a a very quick good catch and pass man inside him I think you're going to get the best of of what we saw with Branko inside of him, and there might be even more potential to to match what he did this season. A low score of 35. It was against the Panthers, and no attacking stats. So that's a tremendous flaw for a player. And like you said, he scores in bunches, plenty of centuries, seven centuries in total across the year. So someone that can, you know, score well. But obviously, that's him. There's quite a few more plays in the good category. Cody Nikarima, Connolly Lemelelu, and Jared Wallace. I think those are three guys that would have been free agents, wouldn't even be picked in the draft. And three guys, you know, Jared Wallace as your second two uh, front row forward, immense averaging uh, 55, averaging in the back end, averaging a 60. Your Cody Nikarima, who was slotting in at fullback, at hooker, at 5'8", wherever they needed him, averaged a 58. And my boy Connolly, with the duel, 54, and that's including a couple of HIA-affected scores. He was just someone who you could plug and play in most weeks. So they turned, like you said, they turned into a team that you wouldn't have drafted them high or even drafted them at all, but became very crucial pieces to your 17 every week. Yeah, 100%. And like I think J-Well is a great example of the way that I think a lot of people treated the Dolphins. Their forward pack, a lot of great great potential there. Um uh, Wallace is capable of going for an 80-90, which is quite rare from a a prop, particularly not one of the big boys in, in Payne and Tino. So if you get him on a good matchup, he's got good attacking upside. He's going to get a try assist, but he does have a brain snap in him. And he, you never know if it's going to be a Sinbin or a, or a great cutout pass to the wing. Um, Mark Nichols sort of falls in the same bucket. You, you're not sitting there going, oh, yeah, I really want to draft him early, but he's going to pick you up a 45-50, which from your prop, especially if you're picking up someone from the waivers, is all you can ask for. And I think Wayne really built a team of solid, consistent guys that just do a job. Yeah. And I think we were all quite beneficial for it at, when the time came and you need to, to scrape through the bottom of the barrel, go, you know what, come round 18. Yeah, I do want to pick up a dolphin. Uh, and we weren't saying that going into round one. Two more guys I'll mention. I think Hammer played a huge role this year. He was one of those cheapies in classic. We all were like, do we start him? Absolutely made a boatload of cash. And in draft, that again, that dual flexibility, able to shift him around was immense. Jerry Marshall King only played the 15 games this year. Average of 62 with a couple of injury-affected scores. For me, Jerry Marshall King is someone I am so high on next year. I've got him right now on the big board. I've got him as the second hooker overall. I've got him overtaking Harry Grant next year. 
I just think he's one of the he's gonna be one of those players in round four or five that's gonna creep up on a lot of people. Someone's gonna take him around that point. And like I said, he just looks like in this team, and we all thought Wayne Bennett was the super coach killer for hookers. We look what he did to uh, Damian Cook. But to hmm. me, Marshall King, this attack runs through him. When he is fit and firing and on the field, he is the he's the engine that makes this Titans uh, this Dolphins team go. And I think next year, like I said, they've got a few really key signings coming in there with Avrilo, Herbie, uh, Flegler. I just think that that go forward will be immense with Jerry Marshall King running the engine. Completely. And I think you add uh, Gilbert back into the mix as well. Absolutely. Um, there's going to be a, a lot of good attacking options off Marshall King. Um, and I guess one thing that we weren't so certain about coming into the season was, you know, is it going to be a bit of a split role? Are we going to get 30 minutes of Cody sitting in there? And I think just the way that the season played out and with injuries into other spots, we saw Cody you know, doing very well at, at fullback, at halfback and otherwise. It'll be interesting to see. And I think the only thing that's holding me back a little bit from the full Marshall King wagon is what does that role look like next year? You, as you said, he played what, 15 games this season. So is the longevity going to be saying that Wayne looks for and, and, and pulls him back to 55, 60 minutes a game and spell him with Cody in, at hooker for a little bit? But uh, when he's on the field, phenomenal, phenomenal. Yeah, when he when he was fit and healthy, you know, I, I look at this route, this stretch from round five all the way through to round 13, 80 minutes every game, you know, and just pumped out really nice scores. Always was he kind of reminds me of a little bit better Wade Egan, you know, is on a is on a base decently disrespect. No disrespect to Wade Egan. I love Wade you, Egan. You but, keep my hooker's name out of your mouth. But Jerry Marshall King to me is one of those guys that I just know there's gonna be at least one attacking stat in there. So I know I'm gonna get a 50. At the least, I'm gonna get a 50 because I know that. He will tackle his way to about a 35. There'll be one attacking stat. But let's go. Let's quickly go to some fails because they all can't be roses. I've got only two guys here that I put in the fail category. And just because off-season hype, I think Tessie New, I'm going to throw in there. He is someone who played 17 games, only averaged a 46. Um, and he had a couple of 90s in there. So that average is a little bit inflated. He was just someone on that other edge. We saw that Asaka was getting 24 tries on one edge. Obviously, the other edge had to miss. So uh, Tessie knew was someone who missed. And I think your boy, Isaiah Katoa, I think it was our fault probably pumping him up in terms of he was a cheapie in classic. So that obviously boosts the uh, the profile of him. We all kind of wanted it. We saw the World Cup. We saw what he did with Samoa and was like, if he can do this at 18, holy shit, what's he going to do for the rest of the season? He had one of those seasons that I think Wayne was really smart with a couple of these guys this year where just pulled him back a little bit and said, I'm not letting you play 80 minutes getting bashed in your first season of grade. Um, obviously came off the bench. Looked really nice as a bench hooker, just FYI. You know, he could be someone that could take those minutes eventually. But yeah, I think his future is bright, but we probably all reached a little bit too high thinking that that big score was in him early on. Yeah, 100%. And I, th- I think from a super coach perspective, the dual position did him no favours. I think yeah. the reason that we were all so keen on him, and I, I did draft him quite late as well, is just that flexibility. Coming into grade, yeah, sort of told, Wayne, Wayne came out before the season and said he will be starting. So to have a starting dual position half that you could just use as your third man to plug in whenever a buy came up was, as you say, super coach gold. Um the fact that it didn't quite pan out, you, and ultimately you didn't really want to be playing a 30, 35 average guy coming in, um, meant that it, it faded a bit. But you, there's a lot of really, really promising signs. And I think he did a lot of 
really good work with ball in hand that didn't translate fantastically to super coach. Um, we look at some of the, the, the halfbacks that, that are fantastic players, but not necessarily fantastic super coach players. Uh, traditionally like your Adam Reynolds, the, the pass before the pass guy. And I saw a lot of that stuff in Katoa's game this year that I think he's got a really bright future, but again, maybe not the guy that you're reaching for in a super coach league. He reminds me, and again, this is no, it's, it's not a disrespect because he's a great player, but from a super coach perspective, just it's even when he's in good teams, he doesn't score. Is Chad Townsend. Even when he's in yeah. really, really good teams, Chad, he will, like you said, he will pass the pass to the assist. He will be the one to bark orders and get the guys in a play. You don't get points for that. So it's going to be interesting to see. I think he's got a much better running game, obviously, than someone like Chad. So that will be someone that will boost him. Well, you saw that at Hooker. He was able to dart a couple of times from Hooker and, t- and pick his spots. But yeah, I think someone like him will be interesting. But let's move on and let's think ahead, Chris. 2024, I mentioned it. They've got three really high-caliber starting 13 signings coming in. You've got another season, another off-season. The super coach is still there. We mentioned that we didn't draft any of them before round 11. It's going to be very different next year. How high are we going to go on the Dolphins next year? Can they obviously improve on what they did this year, which was a, a big effort? But from a super coach perspective, is there guys here that you just look at and go, I need to have them next year? Uh, yes. Yes, there is. Um, so I think that there's no hiding my love for big Tom Gilbert. Um, mm-hmm. Had him as a cowboy. Had him again here. I think his game is, is very well suited to super coach. I think he's also a very, very great player. Um Having him back in the 13, I think it's a no-brainer. You can you can plug and play him for the season, and, and he's going to be a, a great loyal servant. He can be captain of my super coach team. Um, Herbie is my favorite center in the game at the moment, um, yeah. and I will be I will be fighting tooth and nail to draft him next season. I think um, I've over the last couple of seasons jazzed up a bit and gone you know Val Manu quite early on. Um, I think as ball dominant as Herbie is with such a great ability to score, um, he's going to be doing a lot of the dirty work out of the back end here that Hammer and Co. don't particularly do. He's going to be hitting 50 in base just from, you know, 20 hit ups for a billion meters. So adding a couple of tries out on that left side where he's not competing with Osako as well. Uh, I see him, you know, round two, round three mm. at worst. Yeah, I love that shout. I think Herbie's gonna be really good. Obviously, Asako's the main one. He's gonna he's gonna be ridiculously high to draft. I think, especially now, league, our guys love previous averages and name. I think Asako doesn't last past round three. So that's someone who's probably a little bit out of reach. But I'll tell you two guys uh, to wrap this up I'll, that I'm gonna love owning next year. I can't wait to get my hands on Jerry Marshall King. I want to really try mm-hmm. and draft him. But the guy, another one of the off-season signings, give me Tom Flegler. God, that guy. <laughs> if he is the leader of the pack and getting 50-55, I am all over him next year. He will be, if I don't get the Tinos and the Haas of the world, I'll wait for, for big Tom Flegler and I'll draft him happily. Uh, mate, you're, you're speaking to the converted here. Uh, <laughs> I I had big Tommy this season and um, we've seen what the Broncos fans have been doing recently. Maybe it will be bananas down, but fins up for everyone. <laughs> mate, you've said it all. Thank you for coming on, mate. Legend, thanks for having me. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back with another podcast soon. Again, get onto the socials 
at the SE Heartback. The numbers are going. So thank you for jumping on there and giving us a follow. Thanks for listening. Have a great smash day. Smash that follow. Week. Smash the like button, everyone. Get on oh, it. God bless you, Chris. Thanks for, thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day, and we will hear from you soon. Cheers.